God's word is his weapon for revival and transformation of lives for his glory. Prepare your heart as you receive the word of God coming to you from Calvary Way Revival Labors. For inquiries and counsel, you can send an email to calvarywayrevivallabors at gmail.com or call 08065607999. God bless you as you listen and obey. Alright, let's pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. Father, in this discipleship workshop, we ask that you minister to us the things that we are supposed to know, that we aid our discipleship relationship with you, our Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and then the discipleship fathers that you have uh, made available for us. Grant us the grace in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So, the topic of the workshop says, Discipleship, a tool for making revival vessels. God has a way, and his way is to make every vessel he uses. When he commanded Moses to make the tabernacle in the wilderness, he insisted that every vessel that is part of that tabernacle must be made. The easier thing to do was to ask the children of Israel to bring money offering and then use it to buy all the vessels. But he didn't follow that pattern. Rather, he called men that he will use to make all the vessels of the tabernacle, having given them wisdom and whatever it takes to do so. People like Bazaliah, Aholab, all the human vessels that God has used for revival at every age, both in the scriptures and in the contemporary, we are made by him for such purpose. God's process of making the men he uses is the process of discipleship. The normal discipleship process that God uses to make the men he uses is to use those he has made through discipleship to make others. In rare cases, where there are no available human hands, God undertakes to make the revival vessels by himself. As we saw in the case of Abraham and Elijah, when God wanted to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt, he arranged a discipleship for Moses in the house of Jethro the priest of Midian. Joshua was later made by Moses through the same process of discipleship. Elijah was made. Elijah was made by Elijah. Naomi discipled Ruth. Mordecai discipled Esther. The twelve were discipled by Jesus. Paul was discipled by Barnabas. And Paul discipled many others such as Timothy Titus. God has not changed this process. He uses for making men in and he will use in revival. Hence, the need for this workshop. So we are supposed to look into four aspects. The concept of discipleship, the need for discipleship, the heart of discipleship, and the right attitudes in discipleship. I don't know how we'll be able to get to four of them in, in the next one hour. But the Lord will help us. So let's start with the concept. What is discipleship? We will always try to keep understanding what discipleship means because 
the more and the better you understand discipleship, the better you benefit from discipleship. So we say discipleship is a training of an apprentice by his master with the goal of the apprentice becoming like the master over a period of time. Simple. When you want to be a teller, you look for a teller that knows what he's doing and enroll for apprenticeship. That is discipleship. The word discipleship is not in dictionary. Neither is it in the Bible. Because in the, in the dictionary, there's already a word that is defining what it means, which is apprenticeship. It's a relationship. It's a training between two persons. One is a learner with the goal of becoming like the trainer. So, in Christian discipleship, our master is Jesus. We are to become like him in the process of discipleship. And so, he also appoints elder apprentices to train and disciple younger ones. Just like in every other apprentice or apprenticeship. If a, a young mechanic apprentice starts this year to learn, the older one may assign him to be learning from, um, I mean the master may assign him to be learning from the older one. So that is the concept of human disciple or a discipleship father. In First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 to 16, Paul said to the Corinthians, even though you have up to 10,000 instructors in Christ, you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you. Therefore, Im imitate me, imitate me. Though you have up to 10,000 instructors in Christ Jesus, instructors can be many, but a father is one. He said, therefore, imitate me. Then in First Corinthians 11 verse 1, he said, Be ye followers of me, even as I am a follower of Christ. From that definition, your discipleship father, you need to get it clear, can be someone who led you to Christ if he is willing to follow you up in the faith till you grow to maturity in becoming like Jesus. If such a person did not take such a spiritual fatherhood responsibility over you, he is not your discipleship father. If another person adopts you as a believer and begins to take spiritual fatherhood responsibility over your life for growth and maturity in Christ-likeness, then that person becomes your discipleship father. Moreover, if you join a discipleship family, or maybe there are ways God normally direct people to where he will want them to serve him. Then, or you start discipleship training, like the one we are talking about, MLDT, and you don't have a discipleship father before you come, it is the responsibility of the discipleship family father to assign you a discipleship father that will take that spiritual responsibility over your life. When we begin to have discipleship families and all of that, it is just trying to 
put up a little organization or structure so that as a team working together, we'll be able to achieve God's purpose in discipleship for the church. Whoever you are assigned to becomes your discipleship father and you should be ready to follow him for your practical discipleship. Note that your discipleship father must know you personally and should have a working discipleship relationship with you. The idea of calling a man of God or human of God that neither knows you personally nor have any discipleship relationship with you, a discipler or a, a discipleship father is alien, is strange to discipleship. Some people, when you ask them, do you have a discipleship father, they say yes. And then they will call one big man of God that didn't know them. For effective discipleship, your discipleship father should be living in the same location with you or working in the same or closer workplace with you. If a discipleship relationship started between a disciple and a discipleship father and there is a relocation of either party, it is left at the discipleship father's discretion to know how to continue the discipleship. Whatever he decides, maybe as the Spirit of God leads him, that will help the discipleship to continue should be accepted by the disciple. I hope you are following this. I'm not explaining it more, be- uh, more because we took time to do the explanation. So where there is a need for emphasis, I will just emphasize it. The word sheep in discipleship is referring to a relationship. Hence, there must be what? A relationship between before you can say that you are in discipleship. What's the difference between mentorship and discipleship? Mentorship is career-oriented. Mentorship doesn't require physical you know, contact. Mentorship does not even require that you will have any life relationship with the mentor. All you just need is, you know, you follow the mentor, you read his books, and then just be interacting with him, he'll be guiding you in that area, in that career. But discipleship is uh, not mentorship. No. It's more more you know what Jesus did with the twelve? Do you remember? He chose them to be with him. So there is a relationship between the, uh, the, the Jesus and the twelve. And they are always together. He's training them so that at the end of the training, they will be able to have his life and then be able to do his work. Hence, there must be a relationship between you before you can say you are in discipleship. This is the omission in many religious cycles. We are the religious leaders. Do not have any training relationship with the congregation, which would have given room for faster spiritual growth in Christ-likeness. So that's, I've spoken about Jesus' example. Then, discipleship must be intensive for it to produce the expected results in the lives of the disciple. Discipleship must be what? Intensive. There is no form of diluted discipleship available for anyone apart from the pattern that Jesus used to disciple the twelve. Please, we don't have discipleship, um, discipleship level one and discipleship level two. Discipleship is discipleship. If it is not discipleship, it is not discipleship. And if you want to know whether it is discipleship, look at Jesus' example. How did he disciple 
the people that he discipled in the gospels and then you look at the exam- examples of the apostles in the book of acts how did they disciple the people they discipled if what somebody is calling discipleship is not following that pattern excuse me please with due respect respect and without any intention of insulting anybody what that person is doing is not discipleship am i sounding very clear the disciples left everything peter said we have left all and followed you they left everything and focus on following jesus and so as they decide as they, they they left everything and focus on following him so if we are in discipleship and we want to achieve the same goal we must leave everything too and be focused on following christ and then the discipleship fathers he has placed us under for our practical life example so genuine discipleship through discipleship must aim at becoming like jesus in every way both in life and in work please i want to stop here to emphasize this statement before that let me read it again genuine discipleship must aim at what becoming like jesus in how many ways if i were you i will underline that sentence becoming like jesus in every way both in life and in works becoming like jesus in character how does he behave how does he live what are the product of his life the fruit of his character becoming like jesus in works you remember he told the disciples on one occasion he said greater works than this shall you do do you remember and he's not talking about working in the farm he's talking about miracles that he did that is to say if i raise the dead and there is something greater than raising the dead you my disciples we do so if i heal the sick you should heal the sick so any discipleship that is not leading the disciple to becoming like jesus in every way are you following me when it comes to character life i call it balanced discipleship balance if i'm standing on one leg am i balanced i will not be able to stand for too long and i'll start experiencing the problem of imbalance i needed two legs to be balanced discipleship that is true and genuine must be standing on how many legs two legs one leg is life the other leg is works some imbalance in discipleship we have noticed over the years is where there is emphasis on life and then sometimes you will see people that has been in discipleship for years and you give them someone that has a demon to cast a demon out they don't know what to do they can't heal the sick they can't minister the holy ghost power and anointing these are the things that are common with the disciples that jesus raised so sometimes you see the imbalance there is life there is character there is but there is no power there is no anointing there is no and then you see some people who also lack life they are not into discipleship of life they are preaching um doing deliverance 
falling people under anointing and all of that. They don't have character. Who is confirming what I'm talking about? There is imbalance. So what God is expecting from us, which we saw in Jesus, is that when it comes to life, you are there. When it comes to power, anointing, works, you are there. That's Jesus. You must go for genuine, balanced discipleship. And that's what we are in for. I hope that point is clear. Hence, whoever we are following as a discipleship father must be a current follower of Christ, mark the word current, that is making progress in becoming like Christ in life and in works. Otherwise, you will suffer the same imbalance in his own life. I don't know whether people are understanding me. Imagine how intensive the discipleship of Antioch believers by Brother Barnabas that produce the very life and works of Christ in them in a period of one year. If you read, or if you have read the book of Acts, chapter 11, from verse 19, eh, you notice where some people that left Jerusalem preached the gospel to Antioch believers. They left as a result of persecution of the church because Stephen was uh, killed. So, there are persecution that arose. So, this group of believers traveled towards Antioch, Cyprus, and Cyrene. And they began to preach the Lord Jesus. In the course of their preaching, and, you know, God was with them, and a great number believed. And then the news of the repentance of Antioch believers got to the ears of the church at Jerusalem. And you know what they did? They said, we need to send someone to go and disciple both the believers that repented and their preachers. Do you know why? The preachers, their own discipleship were truncated by persecution. Did you get what I mean? They were in discipleship being, you know, followed up. Who knows, maybe, um, you know, this manual, there's a manual I showed you, the dynamics of incubating new, new disciples. When you start discipleship newly in any of the discipleship families, that manual you are supposed to be, it's supposed to be used to train, disciple that person at, the, at that, you know, level as a new disciple. Now, who knows whether they, those people that left were just, you know, they are just at incubation lesson two and persecution breakout. If you, if you did incubation lesson one, you may become a vibrant preacher because there are some lessons there that will push you to start preaching immediately. So, who knows that's what they finished and persecution chased them away. So, the brethren at Jerusalem, when they heard that a lot of people have repented, they asked question, who and who were the preachers? They said, ah, these people, their own discipleship, we are truncated. So, we cannot allow them to disciple their convert because they don't have what it takes. So, let us find a more matured disciple, Barnabas, who have passed through the discipleship of the twelve. Listen carefully. Barnabas was a prominent figure in the book of Acts. Very prominent. But Barnabas is not 
found in the four gospels. That is to say, he was never among the disciples of Jesus while Christ was alive. So, from my own personal deduction, I can say that Barnabas is one of the two, uh, one of the three thousand that repented on the day of Pentecost. Because before that time, there's no place his name appeared anywhere. So, he took his own discipleship seriously. And before you know it, he became matured enough that when the elders and the apostles were considering who will go to Antioch and disciple both the preachers and the converts, he became the choice. And they sent him to Antioch. And then, when he arrived, the Bible says he saw the grace of God. And then he encouraged them all, both the preachers and the converts, that they should cleave to the Lord with a steadfast heart. They should cleave to the Lord. And the Bible now described him in verse 23. He said, for he was a good man, a man of good character, full of Holy Ghost. So, look at his credentials. Acts 11.23, he is a good man, a good man, full of what? Holy Ghost. He is a good man, on one leg, a man of good character. On the other leg, he is also what? Check verse 24, full of Holy Ghost. For he was a good man. Did you see that? Full of Holy Spirit. And faith. It takes fullness of the spirit and faith to be a radical miracle worker. So Barnabas was also manifesting the power of the Holy Ghost. And as a result of his ministry, what happened? Large number of people were added to the church. So you can see how balanced Barnabas was. And then in verse 26... The Bible recorded that he sat down with the church for one year. It's a very spectacular. I have thought about this particular verse again and again. I say, what are the factors? Look at it. When he has found him, he went for Saul in Tarsus in verse 25. He went for him because he was discipling Saul also. Before persecution truncated that discipleship and Saul was sent to his village, Tarsus. So when he found opportunity in Antioch, he wanted to continue discipling Saul and combining it with the, uh, the assignment he has at Antioch. So he brought him. He brought him. He said to Saul, follow me. And Saul followed. And he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught large numbers. And the disciples were first called what? Christians at Antioch. You know the meaning of that? Their life became Christ-like. Christians means Christ-like. Like Jesus. So, the, the, there was this transformation in the life of these uh, Antioch believers that just in a period of one year, I have taken time to ask question. Why is it that some of us have been in discipleship for two years, three years, ten years, twelve years, and we cannot be called Christian in life? And in work, what are the factors? These are the things that necessitated the, this particular workshop. And I pray that God will help us to correct whatever that is wrong in our own discipleship in Jesus' name. Look at the next page. To properly grasp the concept of true discipleship, 
we must study the major ingredients of effectively or effective discipleship between a disciple and his discipleship father. First, we need to establish that the disciple must be genuinely born again with a testimony of life transformation and a personal walk with God. In other words, the disciple should be properly related to the Lord first. As his ardent follower, he must be a follower of Jesus, the disciple. Then he must have a viable discipleship relationship with a discipleship father who provides visual examples of Christ's life for him to see and copy. Though discipleship involves sound teaching, but the major ingredient of discipleship is what? If there is no relationship between the disciple and the discipleship father, then there is no discipleship. This is a relationship that will help the disciple to become like his discipleship father as he becomes like Christ. The reason why you need a viable relationship with your discipleship father is so that your character, attitude, lifestyle will be transformed. Hence, God can then trust you to help others. What do you observe from the following scriptures about the major ingredients of effective discipleship? Number one, look at A. 1 Corinthians 4, 15-16. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Paul was talking to the Corinthians. He said, Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye what? Followers of me. And then in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, he said, Be ye followers of me, even as also am of Christ. The disciples should know the difference between the numerous instructors in Christ Jesus and his discipleship father. He can learn from any of the instructors, but we submit to follow his discipleship father. The discipleship father's life should be made available for the disciple to see, observe, and imitate. The discipleship father must be a follower of Christ because the disciple can only follow him as he follows Christ. Paul said, therefore, imitate me. The difference between an instructor, a teacher, and a discipler, a discipleship father, is that the life of a discipleship father is available to be observed is both available and observable. The teacher can teach you in the class and go home. An anointed man of God can come and minister and go to his base. But the discipleship father, there must be a relationship that makes his life available and observable by the disciple in order to see the practical life examples, both in life aspect and in works aspect. Then B, look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 9. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, this do, and the God of peace will be with you. Also look at First John chapter 1 verse 1. I hope you are looking at it. They are written there. It is it, it, just because of time. So we wrote them down so that we don't have to start going to the Bible. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, 
which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. First John 1 1. The disciple should be a diligent student of his discipleship father, learning from him the ways of the Lord. He should shun the various volunteer teachers around that might offer to teach him otherwise. If you go to internet, if you go to social media, if you listen to radio, you will see all kinds of teachers offering to teach you one thing or the other. You must shun many people that are teaching things that are not Christ-like and focus. One of the things about learning is that learning takes time. So if you must learn from a man, you must devote time to it. And if you are distracted, you have 24 hours to learn him, you know, unnecessarily from other, you will find that you have no time anymore to learn from where you are supposed to learn. That's one thing about learning. As he relates with his disciple father, the disciple will be receiving various patterns of life and ministry from him that are after Christ. Grace and gifts are also impacted to the disciple as the disciple father lays hands on him to pray for him. Paul said to Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that came upon you when I laid my hands on you. That's 2 Timothy 1.6. The disciple father must bring out quality time to teach the disciples the word of God and the disciples should be ready to hear the sound teachings of the word. Also, what the discipleship father taught to the hearing of the disciple should be practiced before him for it to be seen. Now, did you notice some words that are in italics and bold? Did you notice them? You know why we are italizing them and making them bold? is because in the past two passages we read, they are the ingredients. Look at Philippians 4 verse 9 again. He said, the things which you have learned. That was why we italize learning. Because it's an ingredient. And then he said, received. We also italize and bolden receive. And then look at the next one. You have heard. We also italize and bolden hear. And then look at the last one. And saw. Did you see that? We also italize seen. So, what is seen is learned faster and better than what is only heard. Do you agree? There is also a space for closer observation. When John the Beloved, okay, which John the Beloved? Okay, when John the Beloved referred to us, what we have looked upon, look at John's own uh, case or um, experience, say that which was from the beginning is referring to Jesus, which we have heard, we heard him touch the word of God. And we also saw him practice it before our eyes. And then we also closely observed what we saw. So we say, yes, the disciple has seen the word practiced by the disciple father. But he need to closely observe what he has seen. Consider it. Ask him questions about it. If he has questions. And confirm that this is practicable in his own life. Since he must practice the same thing that he has seen. Then the last aspect, he said, what we have handled with our hands, which refers to the practice of the word by the disciple. Having heard the word from the teaching of his disciple father, 
seen and closely observe it, he now moves on to handle the word himself by doing the same thing that he has heard, seen and closely observed. Look at Second Timothy 3, 10 to 11. We were advised to read it in various versions of the Bible, but because of time, just look at the King James that is here. He said, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. We are, remember, we are looking at the major ingredients of effective discipleship. Effective discipleship has ingredients. And if your own discipleship must be effective, if you are already in discipleship, check out for these ingredients. If it's not there, that is the essence of this workshop. You must adjust yourself quickly so that the purpose of God for your discipleship will be quickly and uh, achieved faster. And if you are not in discipleship before now, that is why you came for discipleship retreat, so that God can help you locate yourself in this training process, which he uses to make his vessels for revival. So, we look at this scripture and say, that, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, Manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which come unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. That is Paul writing to one of his disciples, Timothy. He said, number one, thou hast fully known my doctrine. Some version said, you have carefully followed all my teachings. The first ingredient to effective discipleship from this scripture is the full knowledge and the following of the discipleship father's teachings. The full knowledge. Thou has fully known. You can't say your discipleship is effective if you have not fully known the teachings of your discipleship father. Some of you that are claiming that I am your discipleship father, please stop claiming such falsehood if you have not fully known and followed my teachings. If you go to Telegram, our Telegram page, Dr. Chidebelu Dezen, and you have not fully listened to all the messages that are there, I don't think you are in line. Some of them know what I'm talking about. Some people don't understand what I'm saying. But I am happy that some are understanding. Paul said to Timothy, Timo, thou hast what? Fully known. Another one say, you have carefully observed, followed all my teachings. All of them. This requires a very close following of the discipleship father by the disciple. If the disciple is not consistent in attending the discipleship father's teaching classes, discipleship programs and trainings, or is always late, he may not fully know his doctrines. Disciples should make extra effort to assess the discipleship father's recorded messages if there are, listen to them, if they will fully know his doctrines. Do you fully know your discipleship father's doctrine is a question. It's a question and you have to answer it. Don't dodge it. Don't do as if uh, you didn't hear any question. Now you had it. Please try to answer it. 
Do you, have you fully known, those of you that are claiming that you are in effective discipleship, can you say that you have fully known all the teachings? That's why we have gap in our generation. And in the generation of Paul, Timothy, them, they did well. Because they know what discipleship is all about and they took it very seriously. Look at the next one. Thou hast fully known my manner of life. This is where discipleship is distinguished from other church activities. The disciple will need to be physically stay with his discipleship father for him to see how he demonstrates what he teaches by his manner of what? Life. The church, retreat centers, and other religious places where believers occasionally gather for programs are not the correct habitat or environment for discipleship. Negative threats in the life of disciples and discipleship fathers are normally hidden in such places. Two of us. People will just package themselves and say, it's not three days. Even if I have hot temper, hot temper, you have to wait for these three days. This is presence of God. It's a retreat center. This is church. So we say the, the real life of the disciple or the disciple, it doesn't come out in such program. Eh? A man's manner of life is always revealed at home and in his place of work. Is that true? The true color comes out when the man is at home, when the woman is at home, when the woman is in his place of work, in her shop, as he's now doing the normal life activity. That's when the real life inside will be coming out. And you'll be able to say, is this the life of Christ or not? Effective discipleship demands that the disciple should seek to maximize every opportunity. It's a rare opportunity, but you can maximize it to be with the discipleship father so as to fully know his manner of life. Manner of life. These passages that are there, we may not read it because of time, but they have something to say about what we are talking about. Jesus shows the disciples in Mark 3, 13 to 18, their name we are listed. The Bible says, when he finished choosing them on the mountain, he took them into a house. He didn't start discipling them on the mountain because the mountain is not a correct habitat of discipleship. It is in the house where he is now staying with them that he can disciple them. In John 1, 37 to 39, John pointed at Jesus while he was with, it, with two of his disciples. He said, this is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the whole world. The two disciples heard him and they followed Jesus. When they followed Jesus, Jesus asked them, what are you looking for? They say, Oga, where are you living? We want to live with you. We want to stay with you. We want to really learn from you. We have been following and learning from our uh, former disciple, John. But since you are the real uh, bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom has pointed us to you. So we want to follow you. Jesus did not chase them away. He said, come and see where I'm staying. Because Jesus knew that for them to become his disciples truly, they need to stay with him. They need to live with him. Thou hast fully known my purpose. A man's purpose is demonstrated in his plans and is driven by his actions. To fully know a man's purpose, you must be in a very close relationship with him. I repeat, a man's purpose is demonstrated 
in his plans and is driven by his what? There are some some whose purpose in the ministry is to make money or to become famous or politically re- relevant. What a man does often, the way he does it and why he does it reveals his purpose in that thing. If you know what your disciple father does often, the way he does it and why he does it, you will surely know his purpose. Thou hast fully known my faith. To fully know your disciple father's faith, you must be with him. Because faith is very practical. You cannot know a man's faith from afar. How does he trust God to provide his daily bread? Eh? When you are the disciple, the man you are following, you want to become like him as he become like last. When he, when he has a need, does he go aborrowing? Or does he pray and trust God? And you will see how God provides for his needs. Watchman Nee was discipled by a woman called Margaret Ibaba. And if you read his book, one of the books that he wrote, Washmani did not write much. I think he wrote two or three. Other ones are messages that he preached that we are compiled mostly when he was in the prison for 20 years. Now, if you read the normal Christian life, he mentioned up to four, three or four times, you know, the impact of Margaret uh, Baba's discipleship relationship on his making as a vessel. Washmani is one man that, I don't know, to me, I see him as another Paul. Because if you listen to major instruments God is using in the contemporary, everybody has to reference Washmani. Most of them. You have to take your bearing. Just like Paul wrote, God used him to write most of the epistles. And you can't preach the gospel well without quoting Paul. Washmani has become such an authority in the things of the spirit, in his revelation and understanding. But when you want to trace how does that choice vessel came about, it was from a very intensive uh, discipleship relationship with Margaret Baba, a woman missionary from England to uh, China. The, The discipleship was so intense there was a particular uh, story of how he placed Watchmani under uh, another disciple, disciple, but that disciple is older in discipleship and older in age. But because Watchmani was much eager to learn, he reads and studies and prays, he has known more than the man. So most times, the man will tell him to do something and he will find it difficult to do because he knows that this thing is not really the best. And he will come to report to Margaret Baba. This is what this man is asking me to do and all of that. He will always tell the story. How the woman will just quietly ask him, go back and submit to him. Go. So he began to learn submission. The Bible says of Jesus that he learned obedience. Jesus, the Son of God, learned obedience. He learned how to obey. Obey who? 
Who is he obeying in, on earth? God. Obey man. How to obey starting from his parents. And then there are relationships he has all through the period of 30 years before he started ministry. He learned obedience by the things he suffered. Those who are serious about God, using them as vessels for revival, they cannot play down on the place of discipleship in their making. So we say faith is practical. How can you know how does he trust God to provide his daily bread? How does he stand on the word of God until it works for him? How does he respond to negative circumstances that will likely test or shake his faith? These are faith-based questions that the disciple must discover. Discover How, okay, his discipleship father's response to them by their close relationship. The next one says, Thou hast fully known my long suffering, charity, and patience. This is referring to character now. Again, to fully know his discipleship father's character virtues, such as love, patience, and long suffering. The disciple must be in a very close relationship with him. Think about it. Which other way will you know about a man's love, patience, and long-suffering if it is not by being with him? Thou hast fully known my persecutions and afflictions. How can a disciple fully know his disciple father's persecutions and afflictions if not that he was there while they were happening? It takes an intensive discipleship for the disciple to fully know the, the persecutions and the afflictions of his discipleship father. And the question is, is your discipleship intensive currently? Praise the Lord. Is your discipleship intensive? Is it effective as we are speaking now? If not, you have to adjust immediately. You have to immediately adjust. Um... A question just came up to my mind, which I think is necessary I address before somebody will ask it. Can a brother disciple a sister? And can a sister disciple a brother? Married brothers can disciple single sisters and even married sisters by the help of their wives. Married sisters can disciple brothers with the help of their husband. Single brothers... Can disciple single brothers wonderfully and perfectly. But there are occasions, listen to this. If we send a missionary to a land where he is to start preaching and making disciples, as he begins to preach and make disciples, and he made female disciples and is a single brother, who is going to disciple those female uh, disciples? He, he has to do that, but with, you know, all purity. Paul said to Timothy, when you deal with younger sisters, do that with what? All purity. Very careful. Then, the moment the first set of female disciples, the pioneer female disciples are out, then you have a relief. The younger female disciples that are coming up 
will be handed over to the elderly female disciples to continue their discipleship. Is that clear? The sentence applies to single sisters. But if there are sisters around, mature enough to disciple single sister, brother, if you win a soul and the person is a female soul, you know, it's very, very much safer and better to hand over the female disciples or converts to female discipleship fathers to be able to help them better. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Very, very important. Now, but what we are saying is that, you know, some time ago, God spoke to me about handing over. The person you are handing over somebody to disciple must be somebody who is really discipling, who is really a discipler, following Christ. Somebody who will bring that person to heaven. If the person is not really serious or following Christ, and you hand over, and the person you handed over is not brought to heaven, your labor has been wasted. The second aspect is the need for discipleship. I'm not going to spend time on this aspect. Though it's important you know, especially for the people that are not currently in discipleship, how discipleship is important. Because if you don't understand and know the need, you will not be able to yield to it. Let me just read the title without reading the explanation. A. Discipleship develops a man's capacity for righteousness and humility, which qualifies him to be trusted with God's treasures for effective kingdom service. Pay attention here. Capacity is a serious matter for trust. The person you are giving your cloth to sew for you, does he have the capacity to sew it well? How do you know? Where did he learn it? How? Who taught him? What experience does he have? Capacity for righteousness. Capacity for humility. Righteousness in the sense that if you are to preach the gospel and continue to preach the gospel, you must believe in the gospel. When people dodge evangelism in churches and fellowships, is because majorly their lives are not correct. Hundred persons in the church, you ask them, tomorrow we are going out for evangelism by 5 p.m. How many persons do you think you are going to see? Five, is it not too much? One brother said it was only him that came out. Eh? Do you know why others did not come out? It's not because they don't like preaching. Some of them are saying, what, what am I preaching to people when I'm still struggling with masturbation? Eh? What am I preaching? Let me start preaching to myself first. Let me be sure that I'm saved. Are you getting what I'm saying? People dodge evangelism because they are sinners. Secret sinners. Inside sinners. Internal sinners. Eh? They are not free. So they find it, you know, this hypocritical. Me that is still struggling with sin. Going out to talk, tell somebody that Jesus can save from sin. I beg. I won't come out. But they won't tell you. But well, that's the truth. See, discipleship, first of all, will handle your life. If you start discipleship and you are struggling with sin, 
And after one month, two months, three months in discipleship, you are still struggling with sin. That thing is not discipleship. Eh? Just change the name to something else. True discipleship should first of all handle sin and then give you capacity to live a righteous and a holy life. The issue of humility is that God will use you to do great things. For example, Peter. You remember Peter's shadow healed the sick. Do you remember? If your shadow now begins to heal the sick, you know, for some of us, pride will just carry you immediately. Immediately. In fact, Peter did not open a church. Some of you will open a church. The evidence of his shadow's ministry, International Incorporated. His shadow will be healing the sick as he's going to fellowship. And he will go to fellowship, sit down, and James will come and teach the Bible and he'll be taking notes. Where did he learn that humility from Jesus? Who will raise the dead and warn the people? Don't let anybody hear that it is me that did it. He was there when it is happening and he keep wondering what kind of human being is this? If it is me, I will take this into Chanel television. Eh? So that the world will know that great things is happening here. But Jesus, so humble that God can use him to do great things. And he will... Do you know that the people that were publicizing what he was doing was not him? He never publicized his miracles. In fact, when demons wanted to publicize him, he shunned them. Have you read it in the Bible? He said, shut up and come out of him. For some of us, if you are... I don't know whether you are seeing people that are doing deliverance and demons are talking. They will collect mic and put it in the mouth of the demon. I said, what is your name? I'm Olinga from where? River Niger. <laughs> they spend time conversing with liars. These demons are liars. They will tell you all sorts of lies. And you, you are believing. Jesus will never do that. It's only in one location. One location and there is a reason for that. In several locations they want to say, you are son of God. Shut up and come out of him. I don't need your introduction. My father has introduced me and he will do that more. I don't know whether I get it. So they were there, they saw his humility. Discipleship will develop your capacity. These days we see people, young people, coming out. I don't know where they are r- r- rushing to. Do you know that if you have the results that you are supposed today that you are supposed to have in the next five years, you may end up in cutting short your life. I'm telling you. Because by the time you reach where you're supposed to reach and there's nothing again to do, God will say, nah, come home now. And you notice that you have even rushed the ones you have done and you didn't do them well. Time is a factor. We are living in time, not eternity. And God works with time. There is time for everything. There is time to learn. There is time to grow. There is time to develop capacity. Don't rush. Learn. And then, as of course, even the apprentices, they Take time to learn. Discipleship is the process through which God prepares his vessel for holy use. We have emphasized that again and again. Let me read a sentence from that uh, section. In discipleship, you will see that sentence in the middle of that uh, reading. In discipleship, God takes the man he intends to use to another man for training and sharpening. For two things. For training and what? Sharpening. 
my disciple, my disciple father, he trained me and sharpened me. My relationship with him was, you know, one of the best things that happened to me. I came to know how to cast demons out, how to minister anointing, how to, there are so many things I caught in that relationship. If not, if not for that discipleship relationship, maybe today, if you ask me to cast a demon out, I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know how to do it. But I was there when he was casting demons out. And I saw how he, do, in fact, one day, I was with him in Chapel of Glory. He, I was with me in his office then in Unisic. So, he preached to a sinner. He always preached to sinners when he goes to school. He's a lecturer. So, after preaching to the sinner, I was there. He carried the sinner to chapel. That's what he does always, almost on daily basis as he goes to school. Then, when he got to chapel, he conducted deliverance on the sinner. All these people you see that are living in immorality, many of them are full of demons. In fact, all of them. Immorality is... I don't know, demon factory. Anybody you see living in any kind of immorality is possessed with demon. Is Demon doesn't make people mad, so they are not mad. They are still reasonable. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But when you say, Holy Ghost, move, come and see manifestation. He cast demons out of the boy. After casting demons out, he ministered Holy Ghost baptism. And a sinner that just repented before my eyes started speaking in tongues. I was observing. After that section, I, as we are going, I said, Daddy, please. So it is possible to preach to a sinner and the sinner will repent now. And you cast demon out of him now. And he will receive Holy Ghost baptism now. You know what he answered me? He said, you have seen it now. Ask your neighbor, have you seen it? I will go in for the chacha. You can't see until you are with the man. He said, You have seen it, it happened before your eyes. You were there. I preached to him, he repented, confessed his sins, I led him to Christ. You were there. I cast demons out of him. You were there. I ministered the Holy Ghost Baptist. He spoke in tongues. I caught it. One day I ministered to a fornicator terrible fornicator. He gave his life to Christ. I conducted deliverance. His fornication life was so terrible that he told me that in school what he does is to trap ladies that other boys couldn't trap. So when a guy came and said, I have tried this lady. She's proven stubborn. I couldn't get her. He said, come to my house by 6 o'clock. You will see her there. And that's what happens. He said he knew that there are demons in his eyes. So what he does is that when he's talking to any lady, he will just be trying to make your eye to jam her eye. His eye. So once the two eyes jam, he just tell you, okay, there's no problem. Uh, if you want to see me, come to my house by six. He said that lady must come. You know, there are natural eye contact. And there are demonic eye contact. His own is not normal one. I don't know that there is something they call eye contact. Until one disciple came to my house some time ago. And he said, there is eye contact now. You start, you look at the person, the person look at you. You look, look from there. You know. I said, eh? <laughs> he said, that one is normal. 
But this one is demon. He said he knew. He knew. So when I began to conduct deliverance on that boy that evening, it took about two hours. And all kinds of demons, not because the demons are, are not going, no. The demons are too much. So they were going one after the other. If there are 1,000 persons in this hall and they are to live through this door, this door, you know it's going to take a lot of time, two of us, compared to when five people are to live. Are you getting me? So the demons were so much. When you cast the one that is barking like a dog, ha, ha, the one that is crawling like a scorpion, you just see the boy, he will turn like a scorpion. And you say, you scorpion spirit, out! That one will shout, shout, and go. You will see him, he will start crawling like a serpent. You serpentine spirit, go! This is what I continued for the next two hours. You know, I learned how to be patient in deliverance from my disciple. He can never stop until... These are the things that you learn by practice. Not by reading and uh, studying. Discipleship is too practical for reading. Though there is reading. Though there is listening. After that two hours of deliverance, I ministered Holy Ghost baptism. And this boy spoke in tongues and started prophesying. There's nothing that he did not prophesy that night. In fact, at the time, I have to start using him to find out the will of God for my life. No, it's true. He was there. Lying down, I'll just... I don't want him to hear so that it will not be as if he heard. It's under anointing. Say, God, what do you say about my mother, about my father? He will start... Immediately, God will start speaking through him concerning that. It happened again and again. Recently, one of my disciples that has been with me, Brock Kinsley, stand up. One of the day, he came to me and said, Sir, I am now like you. I said, what do you mean? He said, I ministered, I conducted deliverance, ministered Holy Ghost baptism, and I decided to try that thing you used to tell us. This story now. And he said, I was asking God, and he, God was speaking through. He was so excited. I was, so, I was also very excited. Are you getting it now? He has been with me, and he, is, he has learned it. See, when people talk, talk low, of what they cannot do. They are trying to just be proud. For somebody to say that there is nothing like deliverance. Excuse me, I don't know where he got it from. Jesus cast demons out. In the book of Acts, the apostles cast demons out. Paul cast demons out. So I don't know where somebody is saying that there is nothing like casting demons out. If you meet somebody who practices occult, a native doctor, full of demons, and he repents. What do you think about him following? What if you meet a madman on evangelism? Can't you cast the mad spirit out? I don't know where you're getting me. There is power of the Holy Spirit to cast demons out and help people st stable. In medical science, they call it getting the person to, 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 st to is it to stable? To be stable or something like that. Yes, there is first aid. There is, they will stabilize the person before they will now start the normal treatment. Are you getting it? Because if the person is, he, is not, he cannot even listen to the word. If you want to listen, the demon will just turn his head. So cast the demon out so that he can be stable. You now start dealing with mindsets, wrong mindsets, teachings that will help to correct his head that has been wrong over the years. 
Discipleship is so important. It demystifies Christ's life for easier learning and copying. It focuses a man only on Christ, making it faster for him to become like him. It guides a disciple to discover and fulfill God's purpose for his life. It builds the body of Christ because the disciple will start discipling others. And it's the only thing you need to have eternal life. The heart of discipleship. There are people who, both in the scriptures and in the contemporary, eh, pass through discipleship, but either they became nothing or became worse than they were before they entered. Gehazi was one of them. He ended up with Naaman's leprosy. Judas was a disciple under Jesus himself. He ended up betraying him and committing suicide. Demas was a disciple under Paul. Ended up forsaking him due to worldliness. How can we explain what happened to this man? And numerous others who were opportuned to be discipled by God's choicest vessels, but became irrelevant to God's purpose. The heart with which they approach their discipleship is the matter. Underline that sentence. I'm in page... Which page is that now? Page 12, for those of you who are following me. And I'm reading under the heart of discipleship. See, almost in the middle of that paragraph is where it is. See, the heart with which they approach their discipleship is what? The matter. Discipleship demands that a man totally commits his heart to follow the Lord and his discipleship father. Anyone who did not come to discipleship with all his heart has already failed before he starts. This is the reason Jesus will not allow such half-hearted and unserious followers to follow him. In Luke 9, 57 to 62, somebody say, I will follow you, but let me first of all go and bury my father. He said, leave the dead to bury the dead. Come and follow. Another person say, I will follow you, but let me go and say bye-bye to my people. He saw how that I just saw you on the road and start following like that. He said, you are not serious. Eh? Go back. He will not allow them because he knows that they won't come out with anything. Because they are not coming there with all their heart. He also explained clearly to the multitudes that we are following him with a wrong heart that they cannot be his disciples unless they met his conditions of discipleship. If you read Luke chapter 14, 25 to 33, you will see three conditions of discipleship. Number one, loving Christ above all. When he said you must hate your father, hate your brother, hate your sister, what it means is that the love you have for Jesus must be more than the love you have for your father, mother, brothers, sisters, and yourself. And then you talk about um, bearing your cross and then forsaking your all. Jesus looked at the multitude that was following him and said to them, you cannot be my disciple unless you meet these conditions because you end up following and at the end of the day you come out with nothing. The heart with which a man approaches his discipleship determines what will be the outcome of that discipleship. If he came with all his heart, then he will maximally benefit from that discipleship. Otherwise, he will become nothing or worse from it. Moses followed Jethro, 
with all his heart. And that was why the Bible recorded that he was content to dwell with him. If you read Exodus 2.20, the Bible said, And Moses was content to dwell with the man, to live with the man. Many disciples are not content to dwell with their disciples' fathers because they did not come with all their hearts. Hence, they keep complaining and murmuring. If Moses was not content to dwell with Jethro, he would be complaining, sneaking out to shake out other alternatives. Peace and availability are the signs of contentment in discipleship. Students that are content with their courses are always available for their lectures compared to those who were forced to reach the course, maybe by their parents. You cannot achieve anything in discipleship without contentment. You cannot make progress in discipleship without contentment. And the question is, are you content to dwell with your discipleship father? Consider the heart Ruth followed Naomi with and the result of that discipleship. Even Naomi said to Ruth, go back. There's no hope with me. I have lost my husband. Your own husband is dead. There's no hope. Go and marry. Ruth said, entreat me not to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Very committed. And the Bible said in verse 17, root 1, when Naomi saw that he was steadfastly minded to go with her, he stopped talking to her. And both of them came to the land of Israel. Do you know that Israel we are forbidden to marry Moabites? Are you aware? So there is no hope for Ruth to even get married in the land of Israel. But Ruth was not following for the sake of what she will gain. She was following for the sake of the God of Naomi that she saw. And maybe love for that old woman. Who will take care of her if she goes? Who will fetch water for her? No son. No. She just considered her case and said, let me go and help you. And God saw the heart. God saw what? The heart. And God said, though you are immobile, but I am bringing you into my purpose. He became the grandfather of David. He, a Moabite girl became such relevant in the genealogy of Jesus. Discipleship should be by choice, not by force. It is absolutely voluntary. It is better that the disciple leave the discipleship than to stay in it without his heart. Consider the heart with which Elijah followed Elijah and what he took out of that discipleship. Elijah received a double portion of his master's spirit and he did double of his ministerial exploits. When you have the spirit of your disciple father, please pay attention here. Check your neighbor. Wake him up if sleeping because this point is very critical. When you have the spirit of your disciple father, you will be able to do what he can do. When you have a double portion of his spirit, you can do a double portion of what he can do. 
What every disciple will be looking for in the life of your disciple father is not his anointing. It's not his grace. Some people say, let me sow and tap into your anointing. They are ignorant of the ways of God. What Elijah dropped for Elisha is Elijah's spirit. And when you have Elijah's spirit, you can do what Elijah can do. And when you have a double portion of Elijah's spirit, you will do double. One major takeaway from effective discipleship is the spirit of the discipleship father. What did I say is a major takeaway of effective discipleship? The spirit. All of you that are discipleship family fathers in Calvary Way, listen carefully. The reason why you cannot do what I am doing is not because I'm a special person. It's not because I'm in full time. All of you know that discipleship went, we, we, we ran discipleship for 11 years before I resigned this year. So you can't say that it's because I'm in full time. That's why I am doing well in discipleship. No. So don't let your heart deceive you into that kind of deception. Are you hearing me? One of the things that you have lacked that has made you to have less result from me is my spirit. And you can never have the spirit of your disciple father if you don't follow closely. Do you know what Elijah told Elijah? You want a double portion of my spirit? He didn't ask for anointing. Because listen, the spirit is the container for the anointing. And the size of the container determines the size of the content. Did you get that? You need to get it well. A man's anointing is contained in his spirit. And if the spirit is large in size, then the anointing is going to be large. So, what people that understand God's ways go for is what? Enlargement of spirit. Because once the spirit is growing, the anointing is what? And before you think that I'm talking about preaching only, please, we need discipleship fathers in business front, in civil service front, in medical front. You know, one of the brothers is here, he's one heading our medical unit. I called him when he came for discipleship. I said, please, go, I don't want you. He's in final year medicine then, but he's a doctor now. I said, go, I don't want you. You people in the medic has given me a headache. So, I've told God I don't want to disciple medical people again. You people are giving me a lot of headache. Except you are going to promise me that you will not be like others, other medics that have come without, you know, they are not serious in their discipleship. We almost signed agreement, I mean physical undertaking, before I started his discipleship. Because I told him that God needed pioneer disciples in the medics. And some of our brothers, some of you know them, that he has laid hold on in the past to be able to help so that they can pioneer this. Many of them, I don't know what the problem was. 
And he told me that he's going to undertake for the medics. And I prayed for him. And we started. I'm happy that he's doing well now. And he will continue to do well. So by the time he is established in medicine as a doctor or maybe consultant or professor or whatever, he will provide discipleship for younger medics. Then those in business, excuse me, we need frontline business, let me use what they call moguls. Eh? That we become disciples that we disciple other businessmen in the way of Christ. Are you getting it now? So it's not about pulpit alone. Discipleship cuts across every profession. Every profession. Every endeavor. So the heart matters. And then we said, when you have the spirit of your discipleship father, you will be able to do what he can do. When you have a double portion of his spirit, you can do a double portion of what he can do. Those ignorant of this truth seeks anointing without knowing that the spirit is the container that receives the anointing. And the size of the container determines the size of the content. Look at that word in bold, or that sentence in bold. Let's read it together. One to go. The secret of fruitful discipleship, therefore, is the transfer of the spirit of the discipleship father to the disciple. The transfer. That was what happened between Elijah and Elisha. Excuse me. At Enugu currently, God begins to help us in our discipleship. So, each Sunday, we don't have anything less than 100, at least on the average, disciples, children, and all of that, teenagers. And then some of our discipleship fathers has been there in maybe some other places for years. I want to challenge all of you. If what is happening at Enugu will happen in your own location, we are still growing. We are going far. Now, but if you will grow with us, you know what you're going to do, Abba brother? You must collect my spirit. Did you get it now? The spirit of Elijah dot rest on Elijah. You know, when he was coming out from that encounter, they, you remember the, there's people they called sons of the prophet or something like that. They are in the school of prophet. They are in the Bible school, theology school. Reading uh, humilities and um, all kinds of theology and history. Very good. I'm not against it. But when Elijah, Elijah was returning, okay, before, before, before that transfer, they saw Elijah following Elijah. They said, oh, your master will leave you today. You will be like us. We told you to come and take admission before you, Ijo. You will just be going about. Now, today, you will be like us. In fact, we will be better than you because we will have certificates you don't have. He said, don't worry. By the time he was returning from that encounter, the Bible said they saw him. And they said, wow! The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And that was the beginning of the miracles. That was the beginning of the exploits. That's the secret. 
This is also one thing that distinguishes Christian discipleship from other physical apprenticeship. The sons of the prophets saw Elijah coming from the encounter with Elijah. They say the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. The price Elisha paid for the double portion of his master's spirit was the high level of focus he had on his master at all times, especially at the time of departing. Too many things distract disciples from focusing on their discipleship. Too many. Too many. Satan is aware that discipleship is the way. He fights it. He discourages the heart of disciples. He causes all sorts of things to, you know, people even fear. The, there are some people, once you say discipleship, you say, I don't want. And you don't blame them because some people have, some people have um, spoiled the name discipleship. Eh? There are people that are doing lordship instead of discipleship. You know lordship? Do you know lordship? If somebody is your lord, before you buy pen, you will call him and say, my disciple, I want to buy pen. He said, don't buy. That is not discipleship. It's lordship. Disciples, disciples, they guide. They don't lord. So some people have become, you know, servants of Men instead of servants of Jesus, they are now their disciples are Lord. So that can make somebody to say, No, 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 I don't want this. If this is discipleship, I don't want. And then there is this false group. Please, I talk about them everywhere, publicly and privately. They call their name Jesus Disciples Fellowship, Kingdom Genueno, um, Angel Movement. They carry board and they withdraw something and say, Spirit Man. How many of you have heard of them or encountered them? They have spoiled the name discipleship. They have spoiled it. That thing is an occultism that is coated with discipleship. Trust me, I'm speaking the truth. Occultism that is what? Coated. The, the back is discipleship. But when you start going inside, you start entering into occult. Did you hear me now? This is true. Don't doubt it. And if you have a relation or a friend that is there, pray for him and do your best to drag him out. Satan is very... I don't know how to describe this man they call Satan. In Igbo, what is his name? He has come to discipleship to spoil discipleship. With a fake name. Look at how wonderful their name is. So, they are Jesus' disciples. So, what are we? Can you imagine? And they are teaching people wrong, wrong, very wrong doctrines. Please, that is, don't even think of, uh, let me go and test. You will, you, will, you will get into occult. I don't know how to say it. I can say this on national television. Anywhere. So that souls of people will be rescued. From such evil and deception. And they are working hard. Did you notice that they are working hard? Dragging a lot of people into hell. Please. Do something about your neighbor. That they have arrested. If you can pray and help him out. Some of you here are victims. You have joined that occult before. And God out of mercy bring you out. If you are in that category can you wave your hand? I'm seeing one. I don't know where. Never. Help in delivering others that are in their web. And God will deliver them in Jesus' name. 
That thing is not discipleship, it's occult. So we said, too many things distract disciples from focusing on their discipleship. This is why many people will follow for years and they will get nothing. If your own discipleship did not give you the spirit of your disciple father, you will end up becoming nothing or worse. After discipling the twelve, what did Jesus do? He released his spirit on them. In fact, he warned them, don't go out until you, you get my spirit. I have taught you character or many things, but for you to operate like me, for you to do what I can do, you need my spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, what did he do? He released his spirit on them. And that was the beginning of the exploit. It's a law. It's a principle. Now, the greatest temptation in, in discipleship is what? Temptation of distraction. I'm reading page, on page 14. It was Elijah's focus on Elijah as he was the pattern that met the double portion of Elijah's spirit to rest on him. What if, what if he was distracted from following him at that particular point in time? It may be the very point when your discipleship effort is about to receive the heavenly blessings that the devil will want to distract you from it. Beware. A focused following of your discipleship father as he follows Christ, a determined pursuit to become like him as he is becoming like Christ, a refusal to be distracted by anyone or anything from your discipleship relationship with him are all products of a focused heart. Of discipleship. Consider the following ways disciples are distracted from their discipleship fathers. Number one, the common, the common thing that, distra- that distracted Gehazi, um, Judas, and Demas from their discipleship, and they got nothing out of it, was greed and covetousness. Their hearts were captured by their love of money and the material things of this world. Instead of focusing, therefore, on following their master, they got lost into the pursuit of money and material things and they lost out. Your desire to be rich, make a lot of money by ministry, is a dangerous trap that will strangulate your discipleship. Remember what we, we studied in the Bible. Do you remember? Is God against being rich? What is the problem? The desire. That desire will drive a man into many things. Let God be your desire. And as you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what will happen? So don't carry your love and give to money and say, I want to make money. No. Money will come. But you don't need to love it before it comes. Because when you love it, you will worship it. Instead of following your discipleship, your heart will be going about looking for any opportunity at all to make money. And once found, will lead to your excusing yourself from your discipleship to pursue it. Several disciples has entered into one business or the other. I mean, even those who claim to be my disciple, they lost a lot of money, but they never came to me and said, "Sir, I went into business, I lost money." They know that they did not do well, so they will hide it from me. They are hearing me; they know what I'm talking about. But sometimes, when you refuse to tell me. The spirit will tell me. Sometimes he will use somebody and come and tell me what happened. 
and I will not talk to you. Number two, instead of focusing on following their discipleship fathers and striving to become like him as he becomes like Christ, they will be following other men and women of God they considered better than their discipleship fathers in one aspect or the other. What normally causes this is love for greatness and fame. No apprentice becomes anything by following two or more persons at the same time. The goal of discipleship is to become like Christ by following a discipleship father that is following Christ. When you get distracted by following other ministers online or offline, leaving your discipleship father, eventually you will neither become like their discipleship father nor those ministers you are following from afar. Do you understand this? You follow this person, you follow this person, he will tell you this, he will tell you that, and most times, you know the temptation the devil will be bringing to you. He will be telling you that, ah, my disciple father is not as big, as anointed as this man. So you keep following, and you will not have relationship with the man. Are you following what I'm saying now? You don't have any relationship to see his life. You don't have any relationship to see how he is, you know, doing things in order to learn. You keep listening to messages. Some of you have 1,000 messages of this one. 1,000 messages of this. And you keep listening and listening and listening. At the end of the day, you will not become like him because you can't become a ma- like a man that you have not been with. Are you getting me now? And because you have not f- also paid attention to your own discipleship, you will not also become like your discipleship father. So you are neither here or there. Oh, should I not listen to other ministers? That's not what you are saying. But before an apprentice that is learning mechanic work from his ogre, we say, let me go to other um, mechanic to learn. It, it must not be in the period he's supposed to be with his ogre. Am I sounding clear? Because you need time to concentrate. Tell your neighbor, you need time to concentrate and learn. These attitudes are real needed if your discipleship will yield the necessary um, result. And those who have correct attitude in discipleship, they finally get the spirit of their discipleship father and they do wonders. When Jesus, conclusion, page 23, when Jesus chose the 12 disciples to be with him, it was his intention that through that intensive discipleship, they will become like him, thereby became vessels for revival in their generation. This, of course, was achieved in their lives, except Judas, who, instead of becoming like Jesus, became a what? Please read Luke 12, verse, um, I think verse... 13, he chose them in verse 12. And then their name we are listed. Luke 12. Luke 6 verse 12. He chose them in verse 12. Okay, verse 13. And then their name we are listed in verse 14, 15, and 16. And then in verse 16, he said, And Judas, the brother of James, 
and Judas Iscariot, which also was the director. If you read it with Amplified or New King James, you say, which also became he became a traitor. He became. Why did Judas become a traitor instead of become like Jesus? Why? It is because of the heart with which he approached his discipleship training with Jesus. The same thing will happen to all who will not come to discipleship with all their hearts. Or who will get themselves distracted from their discipleship by one thing or the other along the line. What then is your own heart position with disciple currently? Rise up and let us pray. To you in this workshop, can you pray over it? Thank you for listening. We trust you are blessed by God's word. This message and many more can be downloaded from our website www.calvaryonline.org. For testimonies, counseling, and prayers, you can send an email to calvaryrevivallabels at gmail.com or call 080 6560 could also follow us on all our social media platforms at Calvary Revival Labels.